Chapter 50 of Astoria, or Anecdotes of an Enterprise Beyond the Rocky Mountains by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Rough wintry traveling, hills and plains, snow and ice, disappearance of game, a vast dreary plain, a second halt for the winter, another wigwam, New Year's feast, buffalo humps, tongues and marrow bones, return of spring, launch of canoes, bad navigation pedestrian march vast prairies deserted camps pawnee squaws an otto indian news of war voyage down the platte and the missouri reception at fort osage arrival at st louis the interval of comfort and repose which the party had enjoyed in their wigwam rendered the renewal of their fatigues intolerable for the first two or three days the snow lay deep and was slightly frozen on the surface but not sufficiently to bear their weight their feet became sore by breaking through the crust and their limbs weary by floundering on without firm foothold so exhausted and dispirited were they that they began to think it would be better to remain and run the risk of being killed by the indians than to drag on thus painfully with the probability of perishing by the way their miserable horse fared no better than themselves having for the first day or two no other fodder than the ends of willow twigs and the bark of the cottonwood tree they all however appeared to gain patience and hardihood as they proceeded and for fourteen days kept steadily on making a distance of about three hundred and thirty miles for some days the range of mountains which had been near to their wigwam kept parallel to the river at no great distance but at length subsided into hills sometimes they found the river bordered with alluvial bottoms and groves with cottonwood and willows sometimes the adjacent country was naked and barren in one place it ran for a considerable distance between rocky hills and promontories covered with cedar and pitch pines and peopled with the bighorn and the mountain deer at other places it wandered through prairies well stocked with buffaloes and antelopes as they descended the course of the river they began to perceive the ash and white oak here and there among the cottonwood and willow and at length caught a sight of some wild horses on the distant prairies the weather was various at one time the snow lay deep then they had a genial day or two with the mildness and serenity of autumn then again the frost was so severe that the river was sufficiently frozen to bear them upon the ice during the last three days of their fortnight's travel however the face of the country changed the timber gradually diminished until they could scarcely find fuel sufficient for culinary purposes the game grew more and more scanty and finally none were to be seen but a few miserable broken-down buffalo bulls not worth killing the snow lay fifteen inches deep and made the travelling grievously painful and toilsome at length they came to an immense plain where no vestige of timber was to be seen nor a single quadruped to enliven the desolate landscape here then their hearts failed them and they held another consultation the width of the river which was upwards of a mile its extreme shallowness the frequency of quicksands and various other characteristics 
had at length made them sensible of their errors with respect to it and they now came to the correct conclusion that they were on the banks of the platte or shallow river what were they to do pursue its course to the missouri to go on at this season of the year seemed dangerous in the extreme there was no prospect of obtaining either food or firing the country was destitute of trees and though there might be driftwood along the river it lay too deep beneath the snow for them to find it the weather was threatening a change and a snowstorm on these boundless wastes might prove as fatal as a whirlwind of sand on an arabian desert after much dreary deliberation it was at length determined to retrace their last three days journey of seventy-seven miles to a place which they had remarked where there was a sheltering grove of forest trees and a country abundant in game here they would once more set up their winter quarters and await the opening of the navigation to launch themselves in canoes accordingly on the twenty seventh of december they faced about retraced their steps and on the thirtieth regained the part of the river in question here the alluvial bottom was from one to two miles wide and thickly covered with a forest of cottonwood trees while herds of buffalo were scattered about the neighboring prairie several of which soon fell beneath their rifles they encamped on the margin of the river in a grove where there were trees large enough for canoes here they put up a shed for immediate shelter and immediately proceeded to erect a hut new year's day dawned when as yet but one wall of their cabin was completed the genial and jovial day however was not permitted to pass uncelebrated even by this weather-beaten crew of wanderers all work was suspended except that of roasting and boiling the choicest of the buffalo meat with tongues and humps and marrow-bones were devoured in quantities that would astonish any one that has not lived among hunters or indians and as an extra regale having no tobacco left they cut up an old tobacco pouch still redolent with the potent herb and smoked it in honour of the day thus for a time in present revelry however uncouth they forgot all past troubles and all anxieties about the future and their forlorn wigwam echoed to the sound of gaiety the next day they resumed their labors and by the sixth of the month it was complete they soon killed abundance of buffalo and again laid in a stock of winter provisions the party were more fortunate in this their second cantonment the winter passed away without any indian visitors and the game continued to be plenty in the neighborhood they felled two large trees and shaped them into canoes and as the spring opened and thaw of several days continuance melted the ice in the river they made every preparation for embarking on the eighth of march they launched forth in their canoes but soon found that the river had not depth sufficient even for such slender barks it expanded into a wide but extremely shallow stream with many sandbars and occasionally various channels they got one of their canoes a few miles down it with extreme difficulty sometimes wading and dragging it over the shoals at length they had to abandon the attempt and to resume their journey on foot aided by their faithful old pack-horse who had recruited strength during the repose of the winter 
the weather delayed them for a few days having suddenly become more rigorous than it had been at any time during the winter but on the twentieth of march they were again on their journey in two days they arrived at the vast naked prairie the wintry aspect of which had caused them in december to pause and turn back it was now clothed in the early verdure of spring and plentifully stocked with game still when obliged to bivouac on its bare surface without any shelter and by a scanty fire of dry buffalo dung they found the night blasts piercing cold on one occasion a herd of buffalo straying near their evening camp they killed three of them merely for their hides wherewith to make a shelter for the night they continued on for upwards of a hundred miles with vast prairies extending before them as they advanced sometimes diversified by undulating hills but destitute of trees in one place they saw a gang of sixty-five wild horses but as to the buffaloes they seemed absolutely to cover the country wild geese abounded and they passed extensive swamps that were alive with innumerable flocks of waterfowl among which were a few swans but an endless variety of ducks the river continued a winding course to the east northeast nearly a mile in width but too shallow to float even an empty canoe the country spread out into a vast level plain bounded by the horizon alone excepting to the north where a line of hills seemed like a long promontory stretching into the bosom of the ocean the dreary sameness of the prairie wastes began to grow extremely irksome the travellers longed for the sight of a forest or grove or single tree to break the level uniformity and began to notice every object that gave reason to hope they were drawing towards the end of this weary wilderness thus the occurrence of a particular kind of grass was hailed as a proof that they could not be far from the bottoms of the missouri and they were rejoiced at putting up several prairie hens a kind of grouse seldom found far in the interior in picking up driftwood for fuel also they found on some pieces the mark of an axe which caused much speculation as to the time when and the persons by whom the trees had been felled thus they went on like sailors at sea who perceive in every floating weed and wandering bird harbingers of the wished-for land by the close of the month the weather became very mild and heavily burdened as they were they found the noontide temperature uncomfortably warm on the thirtieth they came to three deserted hunting camps either of pawnees or autos about which were buffalo skulls in all directions and the frames on which the hides had been stretched and cured they had apparently been occupied the preceding autumn for several days they kept patiently on watching every sign that might give them an idea as to where they were and how near to the banks of the missouri though there were numerous traces of hunting parties and encampments they were not of recent date the country seemed deserted the only human beings they met with were three pawnee squaws in a hut in the midst of a deserted camp their people had all gone to the south in pursuit of the buffalo and had left these poor women behind being too sick and infirm to travel 
it is a common practice with the pawnees and probably with other roving tribes when departing on a distant expedition which will not admit of encumbrance or delay to leave their aged and infirm with a supply of provisions sufficient for a temporary subsistence when this is exhausted they must perish though sometimes their sufferings are abridged by hostile prowlers who may visit the deserted camp the poor squaws in question expected some such fate at the hands of the white strangers and though the latter accosted them in the kindest manner and made them presents of dried buffalo meat it was impossible to soothe their alarm or get any information from them the first landmark by which the travellers were enabled to conjecture their position with any degree of confidence was an island about seventy miles in length which they presumed to be grand isle if so they were within one hundred and forty miles of the missouri they kept on therefore with renewed spirit and at the end of three days met with an oto indian by whom they were confirmed in their conjecture they learned at the same time another piece of information of an uncomfortable nature according to his account there was war between the united states and england and in fact it had existed for a whole year during which time they had been beyond the reach of all knowledge of the affairs of the civilized world the otto conducted the travellers to his village situated a short distance from the banks of the platte here they were delighted to meet with two white men messrs dornan and roy indian traders recently from st louis of these they had a thousand inquiries to make concerning all affairs foreign and domestic during their year of sepulture in the wilderness and especially about the events of the existing war they now prepared to abandon their weary travel by land and to embark upon the water a bargain was made with mr dornan who engaged to furnish them with a canoe and provisions for the voyage in exchange for their venerable and well-tried fellow-traveller the old snake horse accordingly in a couple of days the indians employed by that gentleman constructed for them a canoe twenty feet long four feet wide and eighteen inches deep the frame was of poles and willow twigs on which were stretched five elk and buffalo hides sewed together with sinews and the seams paid with unctuous mud in this they embarked at an early hour on the sixteenth of april and drifted down ten miles with the stream when the wind being high they encamped and set to work to make oars which they had not been able to procure at the indian village once more afloat they went merrily down the stream and after making thirty-five miles emerged into the broad turbid current of the missouri here they were borne along briskly by the rapid stream though by the time their fragile bark had floated a couple of hundred miles its frame began to show the effects of the voyage luckily they came to the deserted wintering place of some hunting party where they found two old wooden canoes taking possession of the largest they again committed themselves to the current and after dropping down fifty-five miles further arrived safely at fort osage here they found lieutenant brownson still in command the officer who had given the expedition a hospitable reception on its way up the river eighteen months previously he received this remnant of the party with a cordial welcome and endeavored in every way to promote their comfort and enjoyment during their sojourn at the fort 
the greatest luxury they met with on their return to the abode of civilized man was bread not having tasted any for nearly a year their stay at fort osage was but short on re-embarking they were furnished with an ample supply of provisions by the kindness of lieutenant brownson and performed the rest of their voyage without adverse circumstance on the thirtieth of april they arrived in perfect health and fine spirits at st louis having been ten months in performing this perilous expedition from astoria their return caused quite a sensation at the place bringing the first intelligence of the fortune of mr hunt and his party in their adventurous route across the rocky mountains and of the new establishment on the shores of the pacific End of chapter fifty